Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this brand spanking new bonus episode of Mammonberg, or as we're calling it now, Cinnamammon, right. uh, in which we both sit down, we, as in me, and uh, my lovely co-host tonight, Alien, sit down. At, at, Stewie, enjoy- at Stewie Griffin DJ, at Stewie Griffin DJ on Twitter. Yeah, and review some <laughs> good, wholesome Christian movies. Unfortunately, yeah, Jackal, but- Josiah, and Phil could not be here this week. So it's just us. Yeah, this is a laid back bonus episode. This isn't this isn't a mainline episode of Mammonberg. Yes, we're mm. we're the uh, we're the offshoot episode. We're the Branch Davidian episode. Mm. Uh, That's so true. Yeah, can I ask you why you chose Drillbit Taylor as your name? Oh, on Craig, um, because like in between doing other things, I'll just like put on like five minutes of Drillbit Taylor on the background the last couple of days. Drillbit Taylor, do you know what that movie is? Have you ever heard of that movie? I've heard of it. I, I've never seen it. I mean, it's bad. Like, it's not good. It's the first, like, adult comedy I ever saw. Um, oh, yeah. And so I had, like, nothing to compare it against. Like, what it's basically about is, like, these two, like, nerdy guys um, are friends with the kid who played the child in The Ring. And they're getting uh, bullied by Josh from Drake and Josh. And also, um, the kid who played the Eric Harris analog in Elephant. Oh my Um, god. And so they hire, um, Owen Wilson, who in real life was suicidally depressed during the filming, uh, of the, of the film. Jesus Christ. Reset. Who was actually in real life suicidally depressed during the, the shooting. And, yeah, attempted, unfortunately, attempted suicide, I believe, midway through production. Oh my um, god. Yeah, yeah. But it ha- I didn't know that when I saw it when I was like 12, like 11 probably. Um, right. It's like insanely bad. It's like shockingly bad. Like there's like like uh, a part where like Owen Wilson is like attracted to... He's, like, pretending to be a substitute teacher. Like, that's the bit of the the movie. It's a very simple premise, is that these kids are getting bullied, and so they hire a guy who says he's a hitman, but actually he's just uh, just a uh, a homeless dude who's, who's uh, pretending to be a, a hitman, played by Owen Wilson. And uh, he's he sees one of their teachers, and uh, to indicate that he's attracted to her, they play um, Ass Like That by Eminem. Um, it's very, like, a lot of very interesting, uh, sonic. There's a part where, uh, to stop themselves from getting bullied, one of the kids, uh, challenges one of the bullies to a rap battle, and Josh from Drake and Josh, uh, uh, beatboxes while they rap battle each other. This is the most insane movie you've ever seen. <laughs> you filmed in a lot of insane movies, Alien. It's just, like, bad. Like, I don't know. Like, I've been watching... Like, this year I've, like, rewatched a lot of, like, bad aughts comedies or, or whatever. Yeah. Not all of which I finish. Um, I don't know. So part of me wants to, like, watch... I'm like, I wonder if, like, Don't Mess With The Zohan. I wonder what that what that's all about. <laughs> that sounds, like, really bad, though. Yeah, it is. It's, like, terrible. Um, it's like, like okay. movies with epic titles like that are always so bad, though. Drillbit Taylor? Oh no, don't don't mess with the Zohan. Yeah, because like it's mysterious, right? Like, why can't, shouldn't I mess with the Zohan? I believe that's about an IDF agent who wants to be a hairdresser. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, that's um Adam Sandler. That's one of his films. Yeah. Oh lord. <laughs> it's not I mean I I bet you know what I haven't seen it I would bet it's not as good as Uncut Gems. Oh no. 
Oh, you think so? Yeah, I'm just going. I'm just assuming. Probably not as good as Punch Drunk Love either. Oh man, is he doing like like a racist Middle Eastern accent or something? I haven't seen the movie. I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know what he does. Okay. His really accents just kind of sound like French accents a lot of the time. Except in, in Eight Crazy Nights where he was doing that high pitched voice. Well, that guy wasn't Israeli. He was just like an old man, and so like the way that. Adam Sandler decided to represent that was like just like what if I did the most annoying voice I possibly could? Yeah, it's like it's got like the stereotypical New York Jewish accent, but like really high pitched and shrieky as well. It's terrible. You know that ads for that movie featuring that character um, were integrated into the NBA playoffs that year, and. They had like ad spots where those characters were at the game you were watching. Oh man! Yeah, which again parallels his later involvement in uh, Uncut Gems, which is a basketball movie. Ah, there we mm. go. That's the expanded universe right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly. So I we're not. I don't think we're gonna play. This isn't Mammonberg, right? Right. This is just Today, we are going to be reviewing some epic, wholesome Christian movies, or uh, rather, we'll be discussing one movie, and then I will be explaining to Alien the other I saw, since I did a uh, artificial, or uh, forced double feature, in which I uh, I forced one of my other friends to see two movies in a row with me, so... Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so what's the? Let's start with the one that you that you just saw because I saw I, I heard you talk about this film, um, and and it made me not want to see it. Oh, the Pope's Exorcist. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah, the Pope's niece. That's the better spinoff of the two. Which is what I I suggested that I suggested yeah. that you so that is your banner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is our banner right now. What's it about? What's what's so the Pope's Exorcist? That's What's it about? Okay. What's the deal with that Uh, film? It looks bad. It is mid, I would say. Um, You do have Russell Crowe bowling around doing like a really... He's trying really hard to do an Italian accent. He does a decent job, I think. I mean, he's Australian, (laughs) right? So it's like, you know, he's got like the, the thick Australian accent to battle with as well. So that was... But yeah, no, it's... um. What's it about? It, it is a movie. It is a, It's about the Pope's exorcist, bro. Come on, man. I don't <laughs> okay. know what that means. Hey, okay, so- for real? Aren't all exorcists the Pope's exorcists? What does that even mean? Let's start with the title. What does that even mean? You know what? Alien, I didn't think about it like that. That's a good po- point. <laughs> um, yeah, but no. The Pope's exorcist is a based on a true story horror film in the, you know vein of the conjuring and i suppose you could also say the exorcist was because that was inspired by a true story but yes it is a based on a true story horror about father gabriele amorth who was an italian priest who performed over i think ten thousand exorcisms for the vatican well you okay but you told me he, he he bullshitted the numbers on that i said that other priests were accusing him of bullshitting the numbers All like right. he was he was counting multiple demons for one exorcism. 
Right, which means, like, oh yeah, I did, like, a Legion-style one. That was, like, a thousand demons. Like, he could have easily said some shit like that. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, he was upping the number. He was crunching the numbers. Okay. He He was teching the exorcisms, dude. Every single one of these, like, based on a true story exorcism movies like it drives me crazy because anytime i see like a video of uh some kind of like christian interaction with demons that you can actually watch it's like a dude like it's like that that video i think i've sent you this that video of that guy being like i i don't know what country this is it's some but i i don't know where it is but it's some tv show it's in some other country where this guy's like I come in the night and I can fly. And the other guy's, guy's like, "Get off, demon! Get off!" <laughs> I have no idea where this is, but let's it's somewhere that isn't America. But they're speaking in English, and uh, it's like the fakest shit you've ever seen in your entire life. But then you see, like, based on a true story, like uh, demon movies, and like the the chair is coming, going in the air, and spinning three sixty. And, like, right. fucking people are speaking a million languages and aliens are coming down and, like, guys' eyes are turning black. Oh, yeah, like, this was I, the same for this movie. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. There were, like, I will I will give it credit. There were some neat things about the movie that I did like. There were some neat things the demons did, but, like, they were very brief. <laughs> okay. What is this movie even about, though? Okay, okay, I'm getting to that. Okay, so it's about Father Gabriele Amorth, right? And this is, like, a supposedly one of the exorcisms he did in, like, 1987 um, in, in Spain. So the movie starts off, and you see him, like, doing his thing, exercising, like, this young man in this uh, village in Italy, and he, like, takes, uh, he is able to expel the demon, and then the demon goes into this pig that the villagers had prepared, apparently, and, like, brought into the room, and the demon goes to the pig, and then they shoot the pig. And then it like it cuts the uh, it cuts the title card. How do you? What feel makes about him it? the Pope's exorcist? Okay. Uh. Well, they keep saying he's the Vatican's top exorcist, but I looked that up. That's not a position. <laughs> um, I fucking hate this shit, dude. I I, I hate. <laughs> it's not in it. Like th- I hate this stupid power creep that's come into like every. Uh, we, we have a friend of ours who works in uh film and uh he he, he calls it uh the stakes arm race right of that like it's not enough at this point for it to just be about an exorcist like a supernatural like it, that's not enough it's like no he needs to be like the equivalent of like a tier one exorcist he needs to be part of exorcist team six it's like it's like literally gotten to the point where it's about like this guy's the Chris Kyle of exorcisms. Yeah, um Yeah, I mean he is, right? Okay, so the next scene. He's at the Vatican and there's a bishop who comes up to him, which I believe is like his ally, and he's like, Gabriele, don't worry. I will uh, I will defend you in front of the tribunal. And he's like, thank you, but I do not, my faith does not need to be defended, right? And then, like, next scene, right, he's in, like, the, um, he's in, I don't know if it was, like, a a Vatican tribunal or some sort of, I don't know, uh... (laughs) It was Vatican Vatican II where they decided to, they were like, and now we will make the Pope's seat empty, but we will not tell anyone. 
Exactly. Yeah, this happened in 87, though, so it was after Vatican Vatican, the secret Vatican III. Yeah, it was Vatican. Yeah, that's exact. Yeah, it, it was Vatican three. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it was. They called it um, Vatican three because they're inspired by computing at the time. Um. So, like, the panel is, it is like a bunch of these old dudes. It's like a bishop and like four cardinals, and like they're 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 like most of the cardinals and the bishop is are like old dudes, and then in the center there is like this super attractive cardinal, the super young attractive cardinal, and he's the one. Grilling Gabriele Amorth. <laughs> yeah. So you know this this very attractive young cardinal stands up and he's like, Gabriele Amorth, Padre, we want to question you about this exorcist that happened in this uh, isolated Italian village uh, several months ago, and we think that uh, exorcists are like a thing of the past, and all of this is just metaphor. And, you know, we we want to abolish the uh, Department of Exorcism, a thing in real life that doesn't exist. <laughs> Interesting, gotcha. Yeah. So, and Gabriele Morth is like, if you have a problem with my methods, you can take it up with my boss, the Pope. And then, like, he gets up and, like, turns away, and, like, the, the, the attractive cardinal is like, like, the handsome Squidward's cardinal is like, Gabriele! Come back! We're not done here! Right, okay. and like, I mean, I, I don't know, the attractive Cardinal was kind of making, like, good points. The young Cardinal was making pretty good points, man. Uh, he was the- If this, the is, a crypto, if this is a crypto-reactionary movie, <laughs> that it's like, uh, yeah, we want to abolish the exorcism department. Like, that's yeah, about, like, who's gonna, who's going to, well, who's going to arrest, I mean, exercise all of the evil demons if there's no exorcism department yeah we got we <laughs> is it like a right-wing movie that's what i'm asking uh i don't think i don't really think it's like weirdly like it kind of i wouldn't say it's apolitical it goes like in a weird certain way like they try very hard to like make sure you know that father of morth is a good guy and i mm. cannot i cannot testify on the real amorth's uh character Aside from what other priests were saying about him, number crunching, I don't even know if that's true that's or not. not one nu- hold on, that's not what number crunching means. Okay. Well, you know what I mean, like, teching. <laughs> no, uh, the film is not, like, well, I'd say it's poli- it's a weirdly politicized film, and I will tell you why in a second. They try really, really hard to make sure you know that Amorth is a good guy. I don't know the real Amorth, he died in 2016. I cannot speak to the content of its character. I just know that, like, there was a hilarious uh, tweet where, like, there were apparently priests who were saying he, he he was he was counting like five demons for one exorcism, right? He was lying about the numbers, man. So, yeah, uh, it cuts to another scene, and this time it's in Spain. It's like this like abandoned abbey that's getting renovated, and like there's like this American woman, right? And she's actually. Um, for all the Midnight Mass fans out there, it's, it's actually played by Alex Esso, who is Mil- Mildred Gunning in Midnight Mass, and, like, her son and her daughter, and they, like, they, in- the, 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 the explanation of why they're at that abbey is that they inherited the abbey after Alex Esso's husband's death, which was a tragic car accident where he got impaled through the head. Man, that's crazy. I bet it was yeah. a demon. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so they're there, and, like, it starts getting a little spooky, and then the little boy, like, starts, like, freaking out. <laughs> okay, g- get to the chase, get to the chase. I don't need to blow by blow. I don't need to blow by blow. All right, all right, all right. So this I'm is a like, shitty movie. This sounds terrible. Like, what you're describing sounds, like, so bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's, it's like, entertaining, though. Um, it's entertainingly bad, I suppose. Uh, no, but, like, there's a, there's a, there's a young chipper priest, and, uh, he's there, and he gets, like, fucked, fucked up by the demon, and so, then the Vatican, there, side note, which is really weird, that I gotta, uh, mention, is that, like, there's this implication that, like, the Pope is, like, semi-omnipotent, because Mm. he can, like, sense when, like, Amorth is in danger. Mm. Interesting. like he and Amorth are like good friends, right? Uh, but like he, can, it's like it's like implied he can sense when Amorth is like in danger. Classic um, infallibility. Yeah, exactly right. Classic um, papal infallibility. Classic papal infallibility. The Pope sees all, man. He's the most powerful man ever. He will. He will use any means necessary. To Why him. is he the Pope's um, exorcist? Like, is he the only one? No, he's just, like, the best one, dude. He's, like, the buddy of the Pope. Okay. He's, like, the best... He's, like, you know how, like, in Fantastic Beasts, where they're, like, he's the best wizard... Wizard, uh... I mean, I'll, I'll You're quote, repeating you. my observation back to me as if I didn't come up with it. Yeah, all right, well, you know, I'm, re- I'm reminding you. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> But you know, it's like literally what you just said. It's like they have to, he has to be the best dude of all time, right? Yeah. Okay. But okay. Let's just, let's not do the blow by blow just because it's like, there's no way. It's just going to be, he goes to a place and there's a demon. demon. Oh, but there's like also like a chamber under the Spanish, uh, like a chamber under the abbey that was used by the Spanish Inquisition. Right. And like, apparently it turns out that like, the guy, the the monk that started the Spanish Inquisition was actually possessed by a super powerful demon, and then they locked Stop. away that this super is so powerful f- demon. Fuck. I hate this shit, dude. It's <laughs> so terrible. It's like we, it's like abnegating responsibility while also just like the worst, like like Dan Brown National Treasure garbage. Like, ugh, fuck off. Like, I hate. We need to National like, Treasure garbage can be do- done well if it's executed well. I-, I haven't seen National Treasure. Well, actually, well, hold on. Th- this is this is gonna lead into our second film. Yeah. But uh, National National Treasure, I haven't seen in many years. But I remember thinking it was like the coolest thing of all time, and also thinking uh, that Nick Cage was very cool. Like unironically, this is when I was like nine literally nicholas cage was really cool when i was younger yeah he's like i mean i think he's really cool now i'm saying that like this was pre-irony like i i never went through a phase where i didn't like nicholas cage i've liked him continuously since i was like a little boy right right um and uh i I thought he was like baller and uh i thought it was like the it was cool when he said we have to steal the Declaration of Independence. But, like, now I'm sure that if I watched it, it would be like, yeah, actually, there's a message in uh, the... the, the There's a message in the Federalist Papers that say we need to put on 3D glasses to see a secret message that shows us a map. Like, I'm sure it would be like, what? Like, I'm sure if I watched it, it would just be the weirdest shit. Yeah. Um, 
You don't so, need to have in the back of your head, like, how am I going to explain this entire plot? Because I I'm know this entire, this plot entire plot yes, no, <laughs> is not worth li- understanding. The, the Pope, like, can sense that Russell Crowe is in danger. He, like, sacrifices himself to, like, um, like, fucking save the family. And then, like, the young priest, like, who was naive and dreamy-eyed and whatever is the one to exercise him. And then this de- the demon, like, goes down into this giant pool of lava. And then, like, the day is saved. And then, like, there's, like, sequel bait that's like, but there are over two, two, and the Pope is freaking out. And then the, the young Cardinal, who was actually making Ugh. some good points, is freaking out. And they're, like, having this, like, psycho, psych, psychic meltdown, telepathic, telepathic meltdown, right? And, uh, yeah, and then, like, the, the Pope at the end is like, but there are 200 other locations that we can find. And, uh, then it ends. It's, yeah, it's not, it's, it's kind of mid. So it ends with, literally ends, like, so it literally ends, like, Terminator 2 and then just has sequel bait. Right, exactly. It's so cool. It's so awesome, What a cool movie that I'm so disappointed I didn't see. I know, right? And well, I mean, like Russell Crowe on his little Vespa is something. I gotta say. <laughs> Come on, man. There's so he's been in like a hundred movies. Like you could see like any fucking Russell Crowe movie. But how many movies has he been on a Vespa? Oh, uh, stop! This is ridiculous. You can do this with like any configuration of things. It's like, oh well, how how many how many movies has like. Willem Dafoe been a helicopter driver like it says it you know what I mean we could just describe any film like that you know what I mean like yeah but no uh the uh good things about it the uh the shots of Rome were pretty uh the setting had potential and they just didn't do anything with it (laughs) okay there was a cool scene where like one of the priests gets like hanged by a stole and he's like choking to death that was an interesting little neat detail Oh, that's about it. But is there any reason to see this other than, like, The Conjuring, The Exorcist, Exorcist 3? Oh, no. Like, like, if you're doing it, if you want to watch Schlock, this is a good film. If you're, like, a Tumblr user, this is a good film. Uh, But if you're actually just, like, a horror aficionado, then I would uh, just, and you want Exorcist horror, then just do The Exorcist or The Conjuring. Because, like, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not really worth that any price. Yeah, damn. Yeah. Welcome to Watch Mojo, and today we're recounting the shocking true story of the Pope's exorcist. For this video, we're examining the life and exploits of Father Gabriele Amort, the Catholic priest who served as an exorcist for the Diocese of Rome, and has since become the focus for the horror film, The Pope. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh, we're speaking about national treasure. Yes. You know who else is a national treasure and uh, also, who? by coincidence, starred in a film of the same name? Ooh, who is it? It's Nicolas Cage. Oh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, he's, he was in a, a recent Christian film. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this earlier of that, like, any movie with vampires is a Christian film, right? Yeah. Because it presumes the existence of a Christian universe, right? Well, it's not always that way. Um, Why? How is that Underworld, possible? Underworld wasn't Christian. I've never it seen wasn't. Underworld. I know that that film is, like, basically like, a scheme to get the director's wife 
to act in movies. Yeah. So it's it's like a scheme for like them as a couple to make hand over fist by him being getting a director fee and then like hiring her to get money to go to their joint bank account. That's all I know about Underworld. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like basically like what if you gave vampires guns? But like what if okay, but vampires they like shudder at crosses and shit like that. Yeah, that like inherently the- presumes a Christian universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. So I every agree. vampire film is a Christian film. That's so true. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. Yeah, I do agree. Um, explain to the uh, listeners at home what Renfield is. Uh, okay, so uh, this this is a uh, film that is directed by Chris McKay, who's mainly known for his work in animation. He uh, was a director on two seasons of Moral Oral. He worked on uh, Robot Chicken. Uh, it's based on a story by uh, acclaimed comic writer Robert Kirkman, who you'll probably know from uh, being the creator of uh, The Walking Dead and Invincible, uh, the comics those are. And it's uh, it was adapted to a screenplay by Ryan Ridley, who uh, was one of the main writers on Rick and Morty when it was still good. Um, and Renfield, it basically asks the bold question, what if Dracula's familiar was a liberal who went to therapy? So I'm assuming you didn't like the film. I liked it a lot, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I liked it too. I thought it was very fun. Yeah, I did. I mean, the politics are bad, but, like, who the fuck cares? It's a movie about, like, Nicolas Cage being a vampire. Like, if if you're going into that and being, like, Hmm, this film wasn't very communist. Like, and, like, that's what ruins it for you? That's, like, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. The the cop drama they were trying to do for, That's like, crazy. Three... Yeah. That it's, like, was that, um, was that Aquafina's first movie since being canceled for, like, doing a fake black scent for ten years? Yeah. Yeah, her I comeback think... was being, like, I love police. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Uh, her father's name being Morris Quincy is very funny. Maurice Quincy. Morris Quincy. Is Morris? No, it's 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 Maurice. Isn't whatever, whatever. Who cares? Uh, Morris Quincy. You know but why? Why is his name Morris Quincy? Because it's a reference to this character in Dracula, Quincy Morris. This is why I had to talk to you about this. Is because I'm I'm sure there are many little references to the original novel that I didn't pick up. I, I picked up on, of course, uh, the, the film opens on... Um, uh, well, do you know recre- who Quincy Morris is? No, I don't know who that is, man. You're gonna, It's going to be your favorite character, bro. Okay, he's like I, a cowboy, and he speaks in the most racist Texas accent. I, I, I mean, like, it was written by, like, what, a Northern Irishman? So I, by, by those standards, it is racist. Uh, but, like, he's a cowboy... Who's like one of the suitors for the uh, the chick Lucy who gets turned into a vampire in the novel, and then he like gets murked at the end of the novel, and that's why mm. like he's usually not in any adaptations. Right, gotcha. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were using at the beginning of the film they were they were they were recreating the style of the nineteen thirties Dracula. Right. Like recreating scenes from that, I thought that was kind of cool. You know, no, we're doing very. I thought that was very neat, and there was like a, like a scene where Nicholas Holt does like a frame by frame of like the original Renfield actor. Mm-hmm. 
and like of course yeah um i don't think i think it was shot yeah, for shot i don't it, think it was frame by frame well shot for sh you know what i meant <laughs> busting my balls all the time bro <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, Nicolas Cage with the Bella Lugosi getup was great. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just about that, uh, uh, Renfield is like, I need to get out of a, a toxic relationship and, and become a mindfulness Buddhist, um, by going to group therapy. Um, and, uh, then it cuts to, like, Nicolas Cage every, like, 20 minutes and his eyebrows are, like, raised 10 feet above his head and he's like do you have any idea where your power lies boy and that's uh yeah. that's the movie oh and then like also it's just cutting between that and um aquafina it's this like weird like like james elroy thing is going on where it's about like aquafina is the only good cop in the precinct who graduated top of her class at cop school and now is fighting corruption and, like, solving her father's murder. It's very strange. She's trying to stop uh, the voice of Sonic, which is all I could notice. The voice that... of Sonic? Yeah, it's Ben Schwartz. He's Sonic. Oh, right, Ben Schwartz. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> this is his name, right? Ben Schwartz? Yeah, Ben Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, literally, yeah. That's, that's all I could think of. Is that I was like, what the fuck is Sonic doing in this movie? Sonic is like the leader of a gang in this. He's movie. the leader of a gang that is like no gang in real life, right? Like right. he's the leader of a gang that are called the Lobos. The Lobos. <laughs> his name's Teddy oh. Lobo. I looked it. I looked it up on a uh, uh, letterbox, and his official name listed is Tedward, which is pretty funny. I don't remember that being said in the film. No, um, but it's like uh, a family, a Caucasian family of like. Uh, uh, uncertain provenance who ha like lead a multiracial tech focused gang um, that is at war with the f they say is at war with the five families. But enough about Silicon Valley. Um, what? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Enough about hedge fund managers. Oh, um, these make sense. Stop. Okay, cut these out. Just. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just... I mean, it it does have like a weirdly pro cop message. Like that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, well, more pro FBI message. How? Because like everybody is like corrupt in the precinct, and then like Aquafina's like, I'm gonna like go to my uh, sister who's in the FBI. And we're gonna fight these people together. She wasn't in the FBI. They were in the same building. Yeah, no, but she was FBI. She you was don't remember? FBI? I thought she was yeah. just in forensics. No, no, no. She's FBI. No, she's in forensics, and then she needs to pass it to send it to the FBI to test the DNA against I, the I, national like, database. I am, I am so sure she was FBI. Fucking let's go on Wikipedia then. I'm going on Wikipedia right now. I'm looking it up. Yeah, I was right. She's an FBI agent. Okay, she's an FBI agent who works in in one. Uh, she works. She's an FBI agent who works in the same building as local police. Yeah, uh, and is the sister of um, a cop, <laughs> and like the daughter of a cop. It's a multi generational cop family. Her grandmother was a cop. Great grandmother yeah. was a cop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's one of those like very goofy as fuck characters that are like 
like, I, I guess the, the thing that, like, liberals have settled on, because they all pretended to be police abolitionists for three months uh, in 2020, which none of us have forgotten, even though they think we have, is that they're like, we need, like, police to be, like, street intellectuals um, and, like, work hard. Uh, and so I guess that's, like, what, what she represents or, or whatever, is that, uh, yes, the system may be corrupt, but certain intellectual individuals may rise above uh, to collaborate with uh, vampiric forces. There are many, many generations of cops. But, dude, the fight scenes are really good. Yeah, At they're the sick. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, I mean, who gives a fuck about any of that, right? Like, what's sick is, uh, and I, I guess this is like semi, whatever, I'm going to describe fight scenes. If you're an epic spoiler hater, <laughs> there's nothing I hate more than someone who makes a a big deal about how much they hate spoilers. Right. Yeah. The Jesus Christ. Whatever. Uh, if you're if you're an epic spoiler hater, then uh, you you can uh, skip this part, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, I mean the part where like. Uh, you know, he's fighting Ben Schwartz and then it, like, shows an x-ray shot of him, like, his fucking internal organs exploding, like, it's Mortal Kombat is, is, that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, or, like, when he, yeah, okay, he eats bugs to, like, Popeye spinach in this movie. Yeah, that was, that was a nice other, um, homage to the original text, because, like, that was the big thing for Renfield in the original, uh, novels, that he was eating spiders. Yeah, that's the thing I didn't really like about this movie. Really, was the like ex- like ex- very very beginning when he's just like, huh, "Yep, that's me. Let me rewind." Huh. <laughs> okay, this this is my you boss Dracula. That's my this is my boss Dracula. He eats blood. I eat bugs. Huh. Promise it makes sense. I was like, oh, oh fuck my gosh, off. Jesus no, Christ, he was man. he's charming. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Nicholas Holt is like the only one who can like make these, like, scrunky little pathetic men that you just, like, fall in love with. Stop. He's not... Oh, this is so infuriating. He's just a very attractive man. He's very attractive, but he also has that gift. To what? To, like, you know, make you fall in love with these little scrunky, pathetic man characters. But he can't be that pathetic because he's hot. Well, you don't know that. It's like, well, it's like then the pathetic is... it. Like, this is, look, man, this is, like, complex psychology, okay? Keep up, all right? You know, there are, like, there are different levels of pathetic, right? There's, like, the pathetic that's, like, I'm so disgusted at you right now. You're, like, giving me second. Like, there's Rod Dreyer pathetic, right? But then there's also... <laughs> I don't find him pathetic. Time- I find him sad. Yeah, that's pathetic. Exactly. Anyway, uh, and then there's, like, the pathetic that's, like, oh, my God, he's so pathetic and, and nerdy. I, I want to fix him. And that's, like, where Nicholas Holt's characters... Because he was also the hot zombie, remember? What? Yeah, remember? He was the hot zombie in Warm Bodies. You didn't see that movie? Oh, yeah. I saw it previews for it. Oh, shit, he was that guy, right? Yeah, that's actually a really good movie. I recommend it. Okay, all right. Uh, man, that's, like, 09 or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, but he's um, a scrunkly little Blorbo, dude. Oh, God. Don't say that. <laughs> well, you don't like the Tumblr speak? Uh, I don't like a scrumpity da ba bomp ba da ba bomp No, I don't. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I do we... like when uh, Dracula made the bishop explode. Uh, no offense to any of the clergy that may or may not be listening to this episode, but that was pretty awesome. <laughs> I bet they're going to write in about that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nick Cage is great. I love when he's like, because he, he gets uh, fucked up at the beginning and then is like healing for a big part of it. He's like, I like when yeah. they keep coming back to him and he's like fucked up in a different way every time. Um, yeah. They have like a new disgusting prosthetic on him where he's like dripping or something. Like, that's funny. Yeah, that's you know very I mean? good. That was very creative. <laughs> yeah, that shit's dope, you know. Um, they do have like a weird aborted uh, plot line towards uh, the beginning that I thought they were going to go down where. He tries to create, like, a 1Q84 situation where he's like, uh, well, I'm gonna kill people, but I'm only gonna kill, like, abusive husbands or whatever. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, whatever. It's, like, literally the fake show in Barry. Right. Uh, They, like, make fun of. But, um, that was, like, aborted because Nicolas Cage is like, no, I only, it's only delicious uh if it's innocent people's blood i was like okay that's cool (laughs) that is neat i liked i really liked that they um had the welcome mat be like sort of nick cage's way of getting into renfield's house yeah yeah that's cool like little little gags like that were funny based around like oh this is how vampires work but it was a little weedony but otherwise it was like yeah it's fine um it's it wasn't too annoying you know what i mean right Uh, the but yeah the action scenes were dope like uh i liked when he like ripped that dude's face off after eating some after eating ants uh, uh like, you know ripping that guy's arms off and shit all of that like hyper gory shit was fucking awesome yeah no but it was pretty awesome he's eating the ant farm that he like shoves into his mouth that was a pretty good gag yeah, whatever. I mean, there's, like, good... It's, it's, like, decent gags or whatever, but, like, where all these movies, like, kind of have difficulties is when they try too hard to, like, have a, a legitimate point to make or, or whatever. Right. Um, you know, when Aquafina goes on her epic rant where she's, like, where she, like, talks about how, like, she, uh, unlike Renfield, she is a police officer, uh, can't take out her uh, anger using violence on other people. That was crazy. Uh, <laughs> that, like, made me think, like, was this written in, like, 2010? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you guys are weird. <laughs> I mean, man, yeah. Like, I talk about tone deaf. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess that's what happens, that, that enough people call you racist on the internet, and you just become, like, a copaganda advocate. Um, that's what happens every single time. Yeah, but, you know, there's, like, like yeah, I mean, the crux of it is, like, goofy-ass gags of what if Dracula was uh, in the modern world or, or whatever. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's, like, cool-ass shit. Like, the gangster's carrying his coffin around and shit. I was like, yeah, that's dope. Yeah. yeah that's fucking cool. You know, his, like, throne of blood where, like, uh, all of the uh, blood bags are extending from his chair, like, uh like branches on a tree like all, all of that is is fucking baller and cool and awesome um and like there's all you know sick fight scenes where he like rips people's throats out and, and shit like that and you know blood covers the screen 
cool fucking shit overall. Um, you know, but what? Whatever. It's it's it, it's good overall. It's good overall. You know, I'm not I'm not shitting yeah. on. I just like I'm I'm ready I'm ready for movies to not have that dialogue anymore. Oh, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I'm ready ready for movies to not be written that way anymore. Yeah, you know that central gag of like, well, what if we took this obviously weird thing, but like, what if it, we took it seriously? Is like all <laughs> culture for ten years. That is true. That is true. It's hauntology, I mean, like- right? You know, we are a leftist podcast. It is. It's. 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 Uh, like this rear-facing recursiveness of like, well, we can't create anything new. That's out of the question. So all we can do really is look at previous culture and like you know, uh, repeat it or comment on it with our eyebrows raised. Uh, it's just you know. Whatever, it's, like, weird, but it's weird because it feels like, kind of, like, literature kind of went through this, like, we know what this is, like, uh, novels went through this whole phase, like, 30 years ago. Like, I don't understand why we're so far behind. That's part of what bothers me about, I don't know, like, Dan Harmon, for example, is that, like, he gets such credit for this, like, fourth-wall-breaking bullshit, but it's like, I don't know, like, is he really doing anything that, like, like, uh, Barth didn't do, like, in, like, the 60s? Uh, not fucking right. Carl Barth. Don't Carl Barth. Carl Barth. Fucking nerds. No, I mean, like, <laughs> welcome to the funhouse, fucking Barth. I mean that. Like, are we really doing anything that hasn't been done by them, or, like, the um, 20th century Latins, or anything like that? It just feels, like, very behind in terms of... It feels like televisual media is very behind in terms of where storytelling is at. And that kind of, like, referential rut that writing was in, like, the the only thing that got it out of it was, like, metamodernism, right? Was this return... Was this new sincerity thing, right? Um, Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess that's what people are talking about when they're, like whatever the million things that just mean hope punk right like noble bright sweet weird whatever i guess if you're right wing then superversive but (laughs) um like all of these fucking things that just like mean like you know because again like if your options are basically hyper referentiality or being puerile i mean i don't know i guess you can be cynical too but that's one of those things that i feel like there's more of um more of a cultural panic around around like the the uh, commentary than is like an actual thing you know right. the idea that like oh everything is so cynical now like really what should they just mean is like game of thrones and sometimes like stuff taylor sheridan has written you know <laughs> like really is what they mean is that's like yeah, yeah. It's like game of thrones is a bummer and is cynical because like the good guys don't win all the time and uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's bad for our culture. This thing that was written in, like, 1991 and then slowly eked out over 20 years <laughs> is indicative of our times. This thing that's clearly not temporally bound to any specific time period is, like, indicative of, I don't know, our post-Trump America or whatever. Our post-Trump America. It's, it's indicative of Hillary losing. This is, like, this is just, like, November 11th, dude. Is that what happened? Yeah. Uh, or was it November 6th? I forgot. I'd be I there. It, 
I was there I, I at believe, 7-11. I, I believe it was I believe it was eleven nine because Michael Moore <laughs> did a sequel to Fahrenheit nine eleven called Fahrenheit eleven nine that I believe zero people saw. That's very funny. <laughs> um so yeah i mean i don't know like i guess that's probably the way out of it is that we just all get into like old david foster wallace and zadie smith and like jonathan franzen stuff i guess that probably cut the misogyny from franzen stuff but you know what i mean like right it's just and, just, and the misogyny from wallace's life but <laughs> just like um, pining for like the great optimism that we used to have and don't anymore. Well, like it's not even optimism. Class. It's not even optimism. It's sincerity, right? Like, those are two right. different things. Like, um, like a lot of that shit is really fucking sad. You know right. what I mean? Like, there, there's, like, that new sincerity stuff. Like, a lot of it's really miserable. It's just sincerely so. Like, it, it's, you know, after um, 9-11, the idea was that that was going to be the death of irony, right? Like, that was kind of the cultural right. narrative. And to an extent, they were right right of that we um whatever that's often brought up as like kind of like a thing that didn't happen but i don't know it kind of did like there was like this explosion of like yeah you know like dashboard confessional all of a sudden was like this huge band and then like right you know i I don't know if we would have had a stomach for something as uh achingly sincere as even like an american idiot a couple of years earlier um to be like a cultural force I guess, like, MCR was, like, pretty irony-heavy, but, like, on the whole, that kind of, like, emo-pop thing was, was pretty damn sincere. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like, because, like, you know, what is it called? Famous Last Words is pretty sincere. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, right. Like, I, I, I don't mean to totally say that they're ironically distanced from their, their material or anything, but, um, you know, there certainly was a facetiousness to an extent uh, with right. what they were doing. Right, um, right, right, right. You know. And I just feel like really what I'm trying to say is did uh, Joss Whedon fucked up cinema. We all know this This is like a lazy take. Everyone understands this. Um, I was commenting a while ago that I think uh, that if you like the Joss Whedon thing is like you basically just take like Woody Allen's comedy where he's like a cynical dude who's like comment you know that that uh thing in any hall when he's like huh, if only things worked this way in real life to the camera you just like take that right. and you water it down like a billion times and you attach it to like saleable ip and then you just like re- you remove any humanity from it and then you get joss whedon basically he's so i think like woody allen is is is, is an influence there too and i also uh, uh I have to blame I have to blame Charlie Kaufman at least a little bit. Um, right. Of for course. like get for like giving you know, whatever. Like great artist overall. Um although I tried watching the fucking whatever, if you're reading this it's too late, whatever he fucking called it. That thing about the red haired girl being sat in a car and then is sat in a house. Then it intercuts <laughs> with a janitor. And uh, you know, whatever. That was bullshit and I fucking hated it. It was garbage and I've no idea. I like pretentious movies, all right? I, I was, like, I've been watching, like, uh, uh, fucking Buniel. I was watching fucking, I, I, I watched some Abramovich short film a bit ago. Like, <laughs> I'm not opposed to pretentious movies, but, um, holy shit, man. Like, that's bad. I, I don't know what, I don't know how people are tricking themselves into thinking that that's, like, like a 10 out of 10 film that's crazy to me it's uh jesus christ man 
So are you, are you, alien, uh, answer this with complete honesty. Are you, with all that said and done, are you pro or anti Nicholas Holt being a scrunkly blorbo? And that's so true. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> you I don't know what, what a scrunkly scrimbo blorbo means? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why they're so... Why can't it just be that, like, like a guy can be kind of lame but still hot? Like, is that, like, so hard to understand? You know what I mean? Like, why is that right. confusing? Because <laughs> we want to intellectualize it. I just want to say that, like, by, by the way, I just want to say, uh, Adaptation, Synecdoche, New York, uh, fucking, uh, Being John Malkovich are all, like, near-perfect movies in my mind. But, like, you take that shit and you make it, like, 15% worse executed and you just get Dan Harmon. Right. Like, that self-referential shit only works if you're, like, astoundingly talented, which Charlie Kaufman does not always use those talents, I think, effectively. But, um, you know, it's, he's able to do it, you know, when he's on his good days. So. Just think, like, Nicholas Holt is, like, insanely hot. We're having two conversations. (laughs) <laughs> Nicholas Holt is, like, I mean, he has good, like, bone structure, I guess, but it's almost like he's trying, I don't know, it's like he's trying too hard. I, I don't what like- do you, What do you mean he's trying too hard? I don't know, he's, like, doing this, like, look how pathetic I am thing. I don't think that's attractive. Yeah, he's, he's a scrunkly scrimbo blorbo, man. I don't like that. I like strength. <laughs> it's very reactionary. You just, oh, so you, you believe that- it's very Mike, homosexual of me, in fact. Yes. You, you believe that it's, uh, you know, Mike makes right, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Uh, you should you should tell that to like Tom of Finland. <laughs> that he, I mean, he's dead. But you should go to like someone who makes art like that and be like, you know, like drawing guys with muscles is very reactionary. Oh, I didn't say that. I just said you're like, you know, you need a little bit more diversity. You know, you need. I mean, like, because if you think about it, some of Tom of Finland's illustrations are a little scrunkly. I can't think of a single. Tom of Finland. The guy had kind of a one-track mind. Okay, fair. I mean, like, the man himself was a little... Well, sure. Uh, I mean, and, and like, it, to be honest, like, uh, you know, I've dated some scrunkly little guys, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, I just don't like, or like, I guess people you could sort of classify as, as that, men you could classify as that, but right. I just don't like it in media, really, because it's like, okay, but you're not. You're like a rich actor who's like kind of like slumming it in a weird way you know what i'm saying (laughs) like you're like faking being it's like baby talk or something you know what i mean it feels weird it's like when sometimes um it it, it doesn't really happen as much anymore but like how how back in the day like one of the things you would do as like a, a female actor to like show that you were like had range was that you would just like play an ugly character like you would just like right. wear no makeup or do something kind of fucked up with your hair or whatever right and people would be like oh my god she's so ugly but it's like okay but she's actually extremely beautiful you know what i mean like she like has to sit in a chair for two hours a day in order to like <laughs> you know what i mean like that seems like <laughs> right <laughs> I think Nicolas Cage is more attractive in this film than Nicholas Holt. Are you serious, dude? Yeah. Well, I mean, personality-wise, yes. 
Yeah, because he's just like a flamboyant, wacky guy. Yeah, but I just understand. like my power. Like, but that's right, like okay. I I can understand why you're into that, dude. This is like where our taste. The teeth are weird. Diverge. Because you like the wacky guys, and I like the pathetic ones. You like the pathetic ones? Yes. Man, that's funny. Yeah. Who would you rather date, uh, Nicholas Holt or Aquafina? Well, I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't date cops, so. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a minor thing, but I like how they do this, the the... Did you get the ska reference in the film when he when he's like yes. the, when he they says can... the 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 lyrics painted on the did you recognize those those lyrics painted on their hideout? No, everybody kept saying ska, but I've never listened to ska. There's a, there's a song uh, that was a big hit. Uh, this is a, a ska song that's uh, quit you messing around. Ah, you've got to think of your future. Ah. It's like it was a it was a it was a big hit, I think like the eighties, and uh, that's 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 what's painted on the on the walls. I'm sure you've heard some ska at some point. There's like many I mean, probably yeah. There's like many popular ska bands. Whatever. Like the only thing that's like bad is third wave ska. Like that's what everybody makes fun of. Like basically, it was like a thing that what uh, whatever. It was hugely oversimplified. It was like like a genre that like. Uh, was like by and for black people that like then in like the 90s became exclusively seemingly for uh like white band geeks and it like lost all cultural per- uh, purchase as these things usually do uh, a classic uh, unironically a classic cultural appropriation yeah where they just made something terrible that's why you know what i have we wrapped up on renfield is this is this have we kind of said everything we're gonna say about it yeah, I mean, like, what else is there to say? But it is a movie where Dracula like tears people apart and like explodes them, and There's I guess like blood everywhere. Yeah, blood I mean, everywhere, I... gore, like extreme gore, but over the top gore, so it doesn't really bother you as much. You you know by the end of this conversation whether you want to go see it or not. Uh, yeah, go, go see it or or don't. But it's good. I, it's overall good. It's an enjoyable time. Um, and if you post about its politics on Twitter, if if I'm at Renfield, I would kiss that. his forehead. Mm, Renfield, more like Ren Fair. That dude should go back <laughs> to the fucking Middle Ages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So mean to that man. No, he's fine. He's honestly fine. Yeah, you just don't <laughs> like him because he's scrungly. Scrunkly. What does that mean? You know, people always like say go into like speak like that. It, this is fine, by the way. I'm not criticizing this, but what that just means basically a lot of the time is like I know that it, it it's hard to defend in a conventional way being attracted to this person. So instead, I'll just go into like he's a scumbly sg- little gagambo. He's yeah, a gagambly little gadindi. He's a scrunkly little scrimblo. Come on, man. Yeah, right. Like, but it's not hard to defend him being attractive because he's Nicholas Holt. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Come that's on. what they were. They were calling Father Paul in Midnight Mass the scrunkly man. Cool. Your silence. I was. I'm. I'm trying to engage you in debate, and you're just not. I've never the seen bait. this TV show. I've never seen this you've weird seen, Christian TV show. You've seen the pictures. You can like. You can determine through observation if he's scrunkly. 
Scrunkly, like Paul Giamatti, is that who's Scrunkly? I don't know if I think he might be a Scrimblo. Maybe, maybe he's a scr- okay, maybe he's a Blorbo. Maybe he's a Blorbo. <laughs> All right, um, this is I mean, like this is so. T- we've done an hour. If yeah. edited down, this will probably be like forty-five minutes. That seems fine for a bonus episode, right? Yeah, yeah, this is good. Okay, uh, yo, uh, we are going back to regularly scheduled Mammonberg relatively We sure similar. are. Yeah, right. We you sure are. you to share about that, or are you keeping it kind of mums the word? Uh, we are hoping to get back on our regularly scheduled program soon enough. Uh, I know that the guys all had things to do this week, and I've been busy with my own uh, employment, so it's just been sort of hard to get back on track. Also, everybody say congratulations to Jackal. Uh, he is graduating this year, so that's Word. exciting. Cool. Congratulations, man. Yes. Leg- legitimately, <laughs> like, one of the one of the nicest dudes I've met through this whole thing. Like, straight up, I, I mean that. He yeah. is. And mm-hmm. certainly the smartest Mammonberg host. Yeah, but that that is, uh, that is our episode for tonight. Yeah, we uh, might do another one of these again sometime. But I hope, I hope you guys should. had a good time. Yeah, yeah, this has been, dude, this has been a good one, you know? Uh, there's like a million different fucking movies that we could like plausibly watch that would fit into this format oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. all right alien do you want to tell the good people who you are um i mean like all of you know who i am follow yeah, me at, like... follow me at stewie griffin dj on, on twitter.com if you actually are a new listener then like uh you should join our discord uh which we we should probably put a link to in the in the show notes but yeah you just just message me like you can you can talk to me i'm just a regular guy uh and like <laughs> my posts uh okay like his posts like yeah. his posts well what, what do you to say finch oh yeah no uh you can follow me at finchor on twitter.com mm. where i post sometimes and feel miserable doing it yeah. all right well that is our show join the server okay bye very good night Never cared and that she never will